video clip this morning. There are a lot of people who sit Sunday after Sunday who really are unfamiliar with Christian terms, unfamiliar with certain aspects of Christianity, unfamiliar with even the Bible and how to navigate their way through. There's a brand new ministry we're starting in a couple of weeks, and it really is a great opportunity for you to find out what we're all about or what uh, Christianity is all about in a very conversational, very comfortable setting. So uh, please consider that. If you uh, just want to know some more information about how to navigate your way through the Christian faith or the Word of God or just simply some things that you're just not sure about what Christianity is all about, really consider that. There are sign-up sheets out there, and it's a great way to do that. And again, with venison dinner, we need a lot of help. And uh, there are sign-up sheets out there as well. On Saturday mornings, started yesterday actually, and running all the way through the November election, men will gather here a number of churches around the community to pray. Pray for our nation, pray for the upcoming elections. And if you're able to do that, uh, we'd love to have you here in the legacy room, uh, maybe where you're at, just because of where you work or what you do, if you can stop at that point and pray. Specifically, I did yesterday in that location, but some of you want to gather here, just a great way to seek God's face for our nation and as a nation in regards to the upcoming election. A couple of weeks ago, we had a note in the bulletin that uh, we need to finish the year or a certain need we had to finish the year well financially. And as always, God has amazed me and continues to do that by how well he encourages you to respond. And during the month of December, we had over $189,000 come in, which put us $8,000 at least at this point. All the numbers aren't in yet over and above our budget and our expenses. So thank you very, very, very much. It was amazing. Last year in 2010, we ended with a $36,000 deficit. So in light of the economy, to be where we are and to be above and beyond is really amazing. And uh, so thank you very, very, very much. I do hope you had a great new year and are looking forward to our year together and all the things that God wants to teach us in our journey together. I'm excited about the whole year. There's things about this summer and fall series that I can't wait to get to. So I hope you'll just join us together as we enjoy our journey. How many of you know the hymn, Just As I Am? Probably one of the most familiar hymns in all of Christendom. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Many people, probably even in this audience, came to faith in Christ through that hymn. Billy Graham used that hymn and probably continues to use that hymn for at least 50 years as an invitation in all of his crusades. And at the end of his speaking, at the end of the sermon, at the end of the message, choir would get up, cliff barrows would lead them in just as I am, and people would respond. They'd come to faith in Christ through that. Many of you may have come to faith in Christ yourself as a response to that song. Some of you grew up in a church like I did where we sang 12 verses of that song so that someone would come forward. But it is an amazing song. It's one of the most amazing things to me about Christianity, that I can come to Jesus just as I am. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to fix myself up. I don't have to clean up my act. I don't have to get involved in a church for a while, then come to faith in Christ. I can come to him at any point. I have found that people normally come to faith in Christ on usually one of two levels. Either they know enough they want to, that he really is the answer, and so they put their faith in Jesus, or they heard enough they have to when they recognize that he is their only hope. And most in my journey have come to Christ on that second level where they heard enough they have to. One of the things about Christianity is that we can come to Christ just as we are. And many of us have come in one of those two grounds, and and both are awesome. It is awesome to believe that I can come to faith in Christ just like I am. 
thing we need to remember is that Christ takes us just as we are, but he doesn't expect us to stay that way. And that's where sometimes I find somewhat of a disparity in Christianity. He takes us just as we are, but he doesn't expect us to stay that way. The goal of Christianity is not just heaven. That is an awesome gift and an awesome problem, promise. The goal of Christianity is transformation. It is change. I may not be what I want to be in Christ, but thank God I am not what I used to be. And for many people, that's your story. Jesus is changing your life. Jesus has changed your language. They've changed their attitude, changed their habits, changed their outlook on life, changed their interests, changed their investments. And if you're around someone like that, you've seen the change take place. Ryan's story was a couple of weeks ago on the theater, on the theater, on the screen that talked about the transformation that takes place when, when I come to faith in Christ and he continues to take me on this journey and I'm not maybe where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. And I can see Jesus changing my attitude and my habits and my language and my outlook on life and changing so much about me. And when you're around them, you know it. You've seen it. You've watched it take place. If you're married to someone that you've seen change, it is an amazing journey and you're thrilled, especially if you've been praying for them for a long time. And now you see Christ continuing to change them day by day or week by week or month by month or year by year. And for a lot of people, that really is their story, that Jesus has radically transformed their life. That's not what everybody wants out of Christianity. It's not always true of everyone. Some people, their objective is to come to Jesus so that when I die, I go to heaven, but that's all they want out of the relationship. One author says they want to be close enough to get to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not close enough that it requires anything of them. They want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not close enough that it requires anything of them. For the next few weeks, probably for the next five, maybe six weeks, Ted and I are going to do a series on Community Alliance Church's vision. The vision statement is this. You see it on your bulletin, the front cover there, that says we want CAC to be a people who are. And that is that our desire to see Community Alliance Church be a people who are transformed by faith, growing in wisdom, and intentional in relationships and service. Our desire is to see people transformed by faith, growing in wisdom, and intentional in relationships and service. For the next two weeks, we're going to talk about transformed by faith. Ted's going to do a phenomenal job, as he did last Sunday morning, to talk to you about growing in wisdom. And then we'll talk about what it looks like to be intentional in relationships and service. Every week we're going to unpack the various aspects of that and then remind you through the year of why we're here and where we're going. Visions are guidelines, tracks to run on to help you move in a specific direction. They're not the Ten Commandments, but they do help define who we are, what we believe God is asking us to do, and they also can help you determine what you don't do or what you don't think you're called to do. Scripture indicates that God continues to call us to a deeper walk with him, one that grows and matures, that never gets stagnant. Jesus was always raising the level of expectation when you came to faith in him. He would say things like, you have heard it said, but I say. You have heard it said that long ago do not commit murder, and anyone who commits murder is subject to judgment. But I say to you, anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. You have heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, if you look on a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery in your heart. 
You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say, turn the other cheek. That changes everything in our relationship with Christ. I've been reading a book over the last uh, couple of weeks, really over Christmas. It was recommended to me by a friend at the national office called Not a Fan by Kyle Eidelman. His premise was interesting. He's in the fifth largest church in America. Sat in an empty sanctuary expecting on Easter weekend to have 30,000 people at the services on that particular weekend wondering what it was that I was going to do to get them to come back. How can we make Jesus so interesting and attractive that people will want to come back? And then I began to read the words of Jesus and it was very, very clear to me, he said, that Jesus didn't communicate that way. Matter of fact, his mantra was, come and die. Follow me and give up everything. And everyone who came to faith in Christ knew that it wasn't something that they were going to stay with at that particular point, that it was going to change them forever. You've heard me say before, there's a difference between a decision for Christ and being a disciple of Christ, a difference between a decision and conversion. Many people made a decision to believe in Jesus without really making a commitment to follow him. Biblical belief is more than mental assent or verbal acknowledgement. There's a lot of people who repeated a prayer, raised a hand, or came forward at the end of a service and made a decision to believe, but there was never a commitment to follow Jesus, and Jesus never offered such an option. When we decide to believe in Christ without making a commitment to follow him, we become nothing more than fans of Jesus. Most of us don't mind Jesus making some minor changes in our lives. He wants to turn our lives upside down. Some don't mind Jesus doing a little touch-up work. He wants a complete renovation. Some come to Jesus thinking tune-up. He's thinking overhaul. Some think that little decorating is required. Jesus looks at us and knows that he wants to do a complete remodel. When you walk through the Gospels and follow the life of Jesus, you will notice that everywhere he went, he called people to a high level of commitment. People knew that if they made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, it would cost them everything. Why do you think Nicodemus came to him in John chapter 3 at night? Because he knew to follow Jesus, it was going to cost him everything. So often we look at Christianity and the call to come to faith in Christ through the grid of an American mindset or even through the grid of the American church. But when you look at Scripture, Jesus calls them to a commitment to follow him, knowing that when they came to faith in Christ, it was going to cost them everything. That's even why John the Baptist was doing his baptism service in a public forum. Because anyone who came to faith in Christ knew that when they did that, they crossed a line, and it was going to cost them everything to follow him. And in our context, sometimes in the American church, we don't always think of it within that vantage point. Let me give you an example. If I were to ask you, who is the most popular football player in the world, what would you probably say? I know he'd say Peyton Manning last year. Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, are those the kinds of names that come to your mind? You know who's the most popular football player in the world? Lionel Macy. You know what he is? He's a soccer player. Because when I say football, you think what? American football. Anywhere else in the world, when you say football, they think what? Soccer. How novel. They take a ball and use their foot to move it around. 
But so often when we think of anything, we think of it within the American context. I don't know, Macy plays uh, soccer for Argentina. <laughs> the, the Super Bowl this year and most every year will be watched by some figure 100 million people worldwide. World Cup was watched by over a half a billion people. When you look at Christianity, sometimes we put it within the context of an American mindset where I go to church, I give my tithe, I show up, I pray, I, I, I serve in some capacity, I teach a Sunday school class. I, I, I'm, I, I'm a follower of Jesus. But when Jesus calls us to faith in him and calls us to follow him and calls us to be a disciple of his, it is so much more than that. Pastor, sometimes it caught up in the idea of trying to get people so excited about Jesus and making sure they do everything to get people to want to come back, to make Jesus look attractive as possible so that people can find eternal life in him, and that's awesome. But sometimes in the process, if we're not careful introducing people to Jesus, we often, if we're not careful, cheapen the gospel. When is the call to lay everything on the line for Jesus? The author that I was reading about said it this way. Imagine this. Imagine my oldest daughter turned 25. She isn't married and really wants to be, and I decide that I'm going to help make it happen. So I take out an ad in the newspaper, put up a billboard sign, make T-shirts begging someone to choose her. I even offer attractive gifts as incentives. If I do that, doesn't that cheapen who she is? Wouldn't that make it seem like whoever came to her would be doing her a favor and doing me a favor? I'd never do that. I'd set the standard high. I'd do background checks. You want a relationship with my daughter? You better prepare to give her the best you have. I don't want you to hear me, or I don't want to hear you say that you love her. I want to know that you're committed to her. I want to know that you'd give your life for her. Ever been flipping through the channels? And you hear those infomercials that talk about how to become rich and, and famous and, and, and all that you can do and They'll ask you questions like, do you want to make more money? Do you want to retire early? How would you like to never have to worry about finances? And then some Billy Mays wannabe would get up and explain that all that can be yours for free. All you have to do is pay shipping and handling, and we'll even cover that for you. How do you respond to that? How do you say no? It costs you nothing and offers you everything. We're not careful. Preachers can do the same. Many people heard gospel presentations that said something like this. How do you like to live forever? You want to make a fresh start, have your sins forgiven, spend eternity in paradise. You don't want to burn in hell. How would you like to have a prosperous life? Are you ready to claim the health and wealth that God has in store for you? Sometimes we hear those things and we roll our eyes, but there are a lot of people who signed up for that kind of religion. A gospel that offers them everything and costs them nothing. I want to be clear about what it means to be a Christian. There is no forgiveness without repentance. There is no salvation without surrender. There is no life without death. And there is no believing without committing. What I have found through the years is that we sometimes confuse knowing about Jesus with really knowing Jesus. We do Bible studies. We go through a curriculum. We have homework. We, we have sermons with outlines and we fill in the blanks. We go to Sunday school classes. We go vacation Bible school. and Nothing wrong with any of that at all. We offer it all and then some. Jesus studied the word incessantly. He referenced, he read, he quoted all kinds of passages from the Old Testament, which obviously indicated he knew God's word with great care and diligence. The problem is a knowledge. 
The problem is you can have knowledge without having intimacy. In fact, knowledge can be a false indicator of intimacy. Clearly, where there's intimacy, there should be growing knowledge. But too often, there's knowledge without growing intimacy. Too often, we know a lot about Jesus. We know a lot about God. We even know a lot about the Word. We just don't have it change our lives. I've known pastors who preached in pulpits who knew the word inside and out beat their wives. It's not enough just to know the word or know about God or or know about Scripture. It's to let it transform us from the inside out and change us radically to make us more and more like Christ every day of our journey with him. Part of the proof that I have an intimate relationship with my wife is how much I know about her. I know her favorite vacation spot. I know her favorite place to eat. I know what makes her laugh. I know what makes her cry. See, we confuse intimacy in a marital relationship with what goes on in a bedroom, and it is so much more than that. Sometimes we do that in our relationship with Christ. We confuse our knowledge of him and about him and about the word and about the church with intimacy with him. We don't really know him, and we don't even want him to know us that well. (laughs) I love David. Said in Psalm 139, search me, O God. Here I am. Look inside. He says at the beginning of that, you have searched me, Lord, you know me. You know when I sit down, you know when I rise up. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. Too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, there you are. You see, coming to faith in Christ is the beginning point of our journey of faith, not the end product. For God's ultimate desire is that we are transformed by faith and become more and more like Christ. Our mission at Community Alliance Church has to be to help you become transformed by faith. If all we do is to bring you to faith in Christ, then we've not completed our task. Your life in Christ should be noticeably changing in your journey with him. And we want to do everything we possibly can to help you in that process of seeing those changes take place. John Boldly says in his first epistle, now that you're a believer in Christ, you're walking in the light. And the more you walk in the light, the more you become like him. And as you walk in the light, become like him, you find out that you don't sin. Matter of fact, now that you're walking in that light, don't sin. But to be honest with you, he says, if anyone who continues to walk in the light and keeps on sinning, I can't believe that he has either seen him or even knows him. Now, if we do sin, we confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. The point of our journey in Christ is never to see how much sin we can get away with and still seek forgiveness. Paul said, I'd never, ever take advantage of God's grace that way. There are a lot of us that may have grown up in a church where as long as I went and confessed, I was okay and then went back to did what I did and do what I wanted to do. Because I know I could always come to faith in Christ or I know I could always come and ask for forgiveness. And you can. The point of our journey with Jesus is never see how much sin we can get away with. It's to watch and let Jesus so transform our lives and change us from the inside out that we find that as we continue in our journey with him, we sin less and less and less. Apostle Paul 
in his statement of his struggle in Romans 7, the very things that I want to do, I, I can't seem to do, and the things that I don't want to do, I, I seem to do anywhere, is, is never an excuse to keep on struggling and keep on sinning. It's admitting the struggle, turning to Christ for help, and getting rid of the stuff that pulls us down. The New Testament, the Scripture, refers to us and refers to the fact that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. When I come to faith in Christ, he is the one that resides in me. And I give him access to my life. The problem is not everyone gives him access to all of our lives. Kind of like inviting Jesus to the living room but never wanting him to go in any other place. I I love having you there, Lord. I I love the fact that you're in my life. Uh, Boy, feel free to be in. Go to the kitchen if you need something. But... I just want to have some comfortable relationship with you. I, I, I don't want you to know everything about it. I can't commit everything to you. And then if we're not careful, not only do we hold things back and not give them access to every area of our life, we even let things in that shouldn't be there that keep us from then allowing him to hold us together and to grow us in that relationship. And if we're not careful, we may not only give him access, we'll allow things that shouldn't be there at all and God says transformation begins to take place as I get rid of some of that stuff. Which is why he said get rid of bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Rid yourselves of anger and rage and filthy language on your lips. Rid yourselves of deceit and hypocrisy and slander of every kind. Our relationship with Jesus Christ is a growing journey. It's a constant movement from one point to the next so that as I look back over my journey with Jesus... And I see where I was and where I am. I watch and see growth taking place. I see transformation taking place. I'm maybe not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. And I'm seeing Jesus change me. And I'm watching that take place. And I'm yielding more of myself to him and every access that I've kept to myself. I'm now recognizing by the power of the Holy Spirit that I need to give him access to that area. And I'm letting him take control. And more and more in that journey... I see the amazing things that Jesus is doing. So you're saying to yourself, all right, I'm okay with that. I get that. I really need to change. I really need to grow. What do I do? How do I do that? I'm glad you asked. Because next Sunday morning, we're going to talk about the how and what it is that God has provided us and the amazing resources that God has made available to us I give you a hint. Peter says, God has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Next Sunday morning, we'll talk about what that looks like and then end in communion. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for our journey of faith. I thank you that we can be called on to a journey of faith. I thank you for allowing us the privilege of understanding through your word what that looks like. And so as you challenge us over the next few weeks in our, our journey together is friends at Community Alliance Church, people who are maybe wondering what we're all about, others who know what we're all about, maybe need it clearly defined. But whatever that looks like in these weeks, would you bring us with an open mind and an awareness of what it is that you want to teach us and where we need to go in our journey and what that's going to look like so that we can grow in that relationship with you. Father, I thank you for loving us. I thank you so very much for taking us as we are. And I thank you that you give us the strength and the privilege and the resources to take us from there 
and move us on in our journey with you. Help us to understand what that looks like in these weeks together. In the powerful, precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you have never even started on that journey of faith and you wonder what it's all about and you don't even know where to begin, I'd love to talk to you this morning. I'd love to help you just get started in that journey of faith and then next Sunday morning we can share together on what it means to grow in that relationship. Family,